You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The billionaire has awoken. The beautiful, sexy money is starting to be spent. After wasting our time overanalyzing a search for a team president slash general manager, after spending 24 hours pissed off at either Noah Syndergaard or the New York Mets, after spending 24 hours debating the merits of a Steve Cohen tweet concerning bringing back Steven Matz, the New York Mets took late Black Friday and they put the world on notice. If you're a Met fan, and look, we'll debate Starling Marte, Mark Khanna, and Eduardo Escobar. But if you're a New York Met fan, this is what we've been waiting to see. This is what we're talking about. Now, there is a long way to go in this offseason. Not just the next few days before the lockout, but then obviously after the lockout. And then we get a final look at this 40-man slash 26-man roster. But Black Friday was exciting because one of the tough things about the MLB offseason is that it's this slow drip. You know, you make a move and then after about five minutes you say, all right, what next? You make a move five weeks later and you say, all right, what next? But on Black Friday 2021, we got bing, bing, boom. That's what I call the three big moves. Bing, bing, boom. I'm on my way to Madison Square Garden to see the Knicks against the Suns. By the way, Phoenix looked pretty good. And I get the text messages and the tweets, Eduardo Escobar, which is a nice, solid move. Now, the the interesting thing about signing a guy like Eduardo Escobar, switch hitter, has pop, can play second, can play third, certainly a good ball player over the last few years, is it creates the question of, hey, I love his versatility. What does that mean for Javier Baez? What does it mean for Jeff McNeil? What does it mean for Chris Bryant? It doesn't really answer any questions. It's a good move. It's a really good move. But it doesn't tell you, okay, this is the plan at second. This is the plan at third. But what's great about an addition like Escobar is that he's a guy who you can fit in as your everyday second baseman, depending on what happens. You can fit him in as your everyday third baseman, depending on what happens. Or he could even be, though I doubt it, considering he's making $10 million a year, he could also be a super utility guy. So right out of the gate, okay, we know this team hates J.D. Davis. All right, more on him later. They bring in Eduardo Escobar. Nice little start, you know? Nice little beginning, to this offseason, an offseason in which I think I said this on the air the other day, and look, I can't speak for every Met fan. I can't speak for every Net fan. I can really speak for myself. If you happen to agree, great. If you don't agree, I apologize. But they needed to do something before the lockout, something of significance. Now, would Eduardo Escobar have fit to something of significance? Probably not. Good move. But I think you needed more. 
So then they go out and sign Mark Khanna. And Mark Khanna is a good little ball player, under the radar guy because he's been in Oakland for eight years, solid defensively, could stick him anywhere in the outfield. He's a high on base guy. He's got some pop a couple years ago with 26 home runs. And again, I'm kind of looking at Mark Khanna saying, all right, is he the everyday right fielder? Is he a replacement for Michael Conforto? Do they go out and get another outfielder? Because as we've talked about, other than Brandon Nimmo coming into this offseason, what do they have under contract as far as the outfield's concerned? You know, Khalil Lee is a prospect. You're not penning him in or penciling him in as an everyday outfielder. Nick Plummer, nice little pickup the other day. Again, you're not penciling him in as an everyday outfielder. I think we all assume Conforto's gone. So you need to go out and get real outfielders. And Connor's a little bit above average defensively. Again, a high on base guy, right hand hitter, can play left, can play right, can play center. Great. But then the move we all wanted. And look, it's a move that comes with risks. I think every free agent signing is going to come with a little bit of risk. And that's Starling Marte. Not even close. The best center fielder on the market via free agency. And I get his age. And I get the fact they gave him a four-year contract. But if you've watched Starling Marte bounce around teams the last few years, what you see is a guy who still defensively is real good in center. Though it's tough to judge unless you watch a guy every day. A guy who had over 300 last year, one of the first times in his career he did that. He is still stealing a lot of bases. In fact, last year he stole as many bases last year as he stole in any year of his career. So yes, Starling Marte is going to be 33 years old on opening days. 33 years old now, but it's going to be his 33-year-old season. But I haven't seen any evidence from what we've watched. Granted, his time with Oakland, his time with Miami before that Arizona, but mostly with Pittsburgh. We're not watching him every day. I acknowledge that. That's why it's tough. You do have to use defensive metrics as flawed as it is because how else are you going to judge other than word of mouth, other than kind of, hey, what did Oakland A fans say about his defense? How else are you going to judge a guy's defense unless you're watching a guy every day? The eye test can help if you're a Met fan or a Yankee fan watching your team every day. But here's what I know about Starling Marte. Over the last couple of years, he has produced He's an athletic, can steal a base, center fielder. A guy who, as his career has gone on, his on-base percentage has gone up. He's become more of an on-base guy early in his career. Not as much. It's happened the last couple of years. How can you not be excited? You want to tell me, oh my God, you're paying $18.5, $19 million for a 33-year-old center fielder? He was, without a doubt, the best center fielder on the market. I was intrigued about trading for a guy like Byron Buxton or trading for a guy like Cattel Marte, but here's the beauty of signing Starling Marte. It costs you nothing in prospects, and it costs you nothing in draft picks, and that's the key. And keep an eye on that over the next few days going into the lockout. The New York Mets don't want to give up their first-round pick, and I don't blame them. This is one of those rare off-seasons where I'm with the thought of, hey, I can't give up a first-round pick for signing specific free agents. And so you knew going in, there are certain guys you're just unlikely to sign. Now, the good news is Starling Marte obviously didn't qualify for the qualifying offer, and he's a center fielder. And it completes the, the mission of moving Brandon Nimmo to a corner outfield spot. But more than that, go through these numbers with me because this is incredible. The New York Mets haven't had a true everyday center fielder who's productive since Carlos Beltran. And don't give me Nimmo. 
Because here's the thing about Nimmo, who I love. He was great last year. He played 92 games. Brandon Nimmo needs to prove he can stay healthy. And look, that same question is going to apply coming into this year. But maybe playing a corner outfield spot helps him stay healthier. I don't know if that's really a thing. But the point is, even Brandon Nimmo and his almost 300 average last year and his over 400 on base and really was one of their more productive hitters last year, he didn't play enough. So think about this. And I'll ask it as a trivia question, then you could try to answer, and I'll just give you the answer. When was the last time the New York Mets had a guy play center field more than 100 times in a season? 100 games played or more playing center field for the New York Mets. Was it last year? No. Obviously, 2020, you have to throw out. It wasn't 2019. It wasn't 2018. It wasn't 2017. It wasn't 2016. You've got to go back to the pennant-winning year of 2015. And the guy who played center field over 100 games was Juan Lagares at 106 games, and he wasn't productive. The year before that, Lagares led the team in games played in center field 105. A little bit more productive, but still not very productive. The year before that, most games played in center 88 games by Juan Lagares, and he certainly wasn't productive. Before that, you ready ready for a little blast in the past? Andres Torres in 2012. Before that, I think it was Angel Pagan. So the New York Mets haven't had a guy who goes out and plays center field every single day at a highly productive level since Beltran. It's been a decade. Whether it was Andres Torres or it was Juan Lagares or it was Yoenis Cespedes, who was very productive when he played there, he didn't play there a lot. Same with Gert- Curtis Granderson when they moved him back there. Granderson, productive player, was not a center fielder at that point in his career. Michael Conforto, another one. I mean, think about it. Think about all the guys that played center field that weren't center fielders. Now, look, I think Brandon Nimmo, I'll give him credit for this. I thought he played a fine defensive center field last year. And if Brandon Nimmo went out and played 140 games, I wouldn't be making this point. Because I'd say, hey, look, last year they got great production out of center field and Nimmo defensively was good enough. But they have found, assuming Starling Marte can stay healthy, knocking on the wood, they have found their first legitimate everyday productive center fielder since Carlos Beltran. And they needed to win this bidding because, again, they don't want to give up a draft pick and you don't want to give up prospects. Look, the Mets can make a trade. I think a lot of it depends on the value of Jeff McNeil, J.D. Davis, and Dominic Smith and their willingness to include a guy like Ronnie Mauricio. I doubt Brett Batty. I think he's completely off limits. I think Francisco Alvarez is completely off limits. So I think there's trade potential, but ideally you don't want to be trading a big part of your system and you want to protect your draft picks. So how are you going to get better this offseason? Protecting your farm system, not giving up draft picks, especially 14 overall after you failed to sign Kumar Rocker. How do you do it? This is how you do it. You freaking spend and you spend on guys that aren't going to cost you draft picks. Now, like the move of Kana. Like the move of Escobar. Love the move of Marte. Here's what's next. Javier Baez. Let's focus on him. 
Apparently, I forget who reported it, whether it was John Heyman or Joel Sherman, somebody reported he won six years, $200 million. Look, we are now at the point, Met fans, where that shouldn't even matter. Should it? We have an owner who said, I'll go over the luxury tax, but I'll only do it if it's way over the luxury tax. It's like we're going on a shopping spree. I'm not just going to buy one thing. I need to buy 150 things. And when you look at the potential of this lineup, because I was doing it. Uh, you know, they signed Marte, they signed Kana, they signed Escobar. I start scribbling my lineup together. I'm thinking, oh, maybe Brandon Nimmo could bat ninth. Double leadoff hitter with the DH. Can lead off Marte. You can go Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, one, two, three. And then I'm thinking the rest of the lineup, they need Baez. Look, I don't know what to expect from McNeil if he's on this team. I don't know what to expect from J.D. Davis. I doubt he'll be on this team. Same with Dom Smith. I like Kana. I like Escobar. To me, they're not middle-of-the-order guys. Javier Baez is. And so, while Friday, Black Friday, was a very exciting day, it's important, it's imperative that they re-sign Javier Baez because replacing that bat in free agency is going to be a challenge. Now, what should the backup plan be? It's got to be Chris Bryant. Yeah, I remember at the beginning of this offseason predicting the Mets will end up with Chris Bryant. I doubt that now if they re-sign Baez. I doubt they would sign Chris Bryant along with already bringing in Eduardo Escobar and keeping Javier Baez. So I think the focus is Baez, the backup is Bryant. And that's the beauty of Escobar, that if you do fail on Baez and you do sign Bryant, boom, Escobar's your second baseman, Bryant's your third baseman until Batty's ready, and Chris Bryant can move to the outfield. I think with Batty, Escobar becomes a super utility guy. That's why I assume if they bring back Baez, that's their starting infield going into opening day. I don't think they would then bring in another infielder. And then if Batty proves he's ready, great. You know, Escobar will, he'll end up playing if he hits. Put it that way. I always say that if you hit enough, you'll end up playing, especially with the likely DH spot. And you got to just ignore Robinson Cano's existence. If you get production out of Cano, fantastic. So now the focus is starting pitching. And I got to tell you, if I'm ranking kind of my order of preference of the starting pitchers available, number one, and I don't think this is very difficult, it's clearly Max Scherzer. And I would hope that even Marcus Stroman, who has a lot of self-confidence, would understand that. Now, if I have a choice between Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gaussman, I would prefer Marcus Stroman. Stroman is a little bit younger. He's proven he can pitch here in New York. And I think flat out over the course of his career, he's been better. Gaussman was great last year, not doubting what he's done. But if I have a a preference, assuming the money is similar, and I'm not sure it will be, but assuming it is, I would rank Stroman number two. So Marcus Stroman appeared to be pissed off about the tweet from John Heyman the other day in which... I guess he just sort of ranked out the Mets' preference when it comes to starting pitching. I do agree that the Mets have to be looking at two starting pitchers. I do agree. And here's how Heyman worded it, and Stroman got a little pissed off. The Mets seem determined to add a very top starting pitcher. Stop right there. A very top starting pitcher? I love you, Marcus. Gaussman had a great year. Quote, very top starting pitcher is Max Scherzer. That's it. Good starting pitcher, 
Now we're talking about Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gaussman and Robbie Ray and Carlos Rodon. They're on that next tier, and that's not a knock. Max Scherzer's a Hall of Famer. Max Scherzer was a finalist for the Cy Young. So it's not a knock on the other guys, but if the quote is very top starting pitcher, that's Max Scherzer, that's it. But Heyman tweeted it as, order of preference seems to be one Scherzer, great, two Gaussman, three Ray. Chances for Mets to land Max may be iffy, though. He preferred SoCal, a summer trade piece, and winning is key for him. Stroman, others also of interest. See, Stroman needs to be ahead of Gaussman and Ray, in my opinion. Even Robbie Ray, and as, as great as Robbie Ray was last year, and I get it, lefty putting it all together, I could buy Robbie Ray. I actually buy Robbie Ray more than I buy Kevin Gaussman. But the draft pick is a part of the Ray equation, which is not a part of the equation with Kevin Gaussman or re-signing Marcus Stroman. So look, I don't know if Heyman's tweet is accurate in terms of their order of preference, but assuming no trade, assuming you're not working out a deal for Luis Castillo or working out a deal for you know, whoever you want to come up with, Sonny Gray, and you're looking strictly at free agents, it's Max Scherzer number one. And let's address that. Look, I think the Mets have to make him a big offer, a monstrous offer. And you hope that Max Scherzer's kind of lack of interest in coming here had more to do with it was the middle of the season. He was about to be traded. In that moment, he really wanted to go to the West Coast and the team he had a great chance to win with. Now that he's got an offseason to think about it, I don't know, two years, $80 million? Maybe he thinks about New York. Maybe he looks at what they've done this offseason and says, hey, I got a great chance to win there. So I wouldn't completely give up on it. I would talk to him. And look, if he doesn't want to come here, there's nothing you could do. I mean, you, 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 you give it your best shot and you move on. And, and what I also love about Max, besides him being better, is that you're not going to have to give him a five-year deal. And I, I think, and that's the key word, I think, is who knows, they're going to have to give Stroman, Ray, Gaussman a long-term deal. I think with Max, it's just an insane amount of money for a short period of time. And obviously, you build a potential super rotation led by the two best pitchers maybe in the game. Now, I could certainly make that argument that the two best pitchers in baseball would be in the same rotation. Jonathan Gray is another guy to keep a look at. I, I like the idea of one middle to top of the rotation guy and then another back of the rotation guy. And that's why I was okay with Steven Matz. And I get I was in the minority on that. And whatever. He didn't want to come here. It is what it is. It's not a big deal. But I didn't mind the pitcher, the caliber of Steven Matz as one of the two guys I was adding. But I think of the group, Scherzer, Stroman, Gaussman, Ray. Uh, I'd put Rodone up there, though you do have some injury concerns. That's a pretty good addition to go along with a top three that already features Jacob deGrom, Carlos Carrasco, and Taiwan Walker. But clearly their next target has to be starting pitching. But so far, so good. We are getting a glimpse of the beautiful, sexy money. Enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. Craig and I will be together Monday at 2 o'clock. Thanks for listening to this Mets Go Nuts on Black Friday edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.